All right, M. Byhold on the podcast this week. I'm actually coming to you from Colorado right now, a little bit of a ski weekend going on. And um, just want to hop on here and say that M. Byhold, really great episode. And I got my friend Alex Veltri, who's a songwriter, super creative, super talented, is a collaborator of M's. She's going to come on in the beginning and talk a little bit about their process. I've known Alex for years. One of my really good friends, she heard I was interviewing M and decided to jump on and say, hey, and I'm glad she did. So this is really cool. Yellow bit of a window to the creative process with M, uh, the behind the scenes stuff. She's got a new single coming out Friday, Roller Coasters Make Me Sad. I got an advanced listen to the song. And uh, it's really great. It's really great. Most of M's stuff is. You, you, you got you to gotta listen. Don't be falling behind on M. Don't be sleeping on M. All right, here we go. M. Byhold on the podcast. This episode, I think, 123, 4, 124, 123, somewhere in there. 125? Nope, I think it's 123. 124? I don't know. Okay, here we go. M. Byhold on the podcast. Check it out. Hi! What is this? The team's putting in the wrong length? This is such amateur hour. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. What is happening? Well, the link was the master to my song. And we thought maybe you might be trapped inside the song, trying to get out. That's what happened. I was stuck there. I needed to get out. <laughs> we were just using it as a segue so you could start talking about roller coasters make me sad. About roller co- Wait, first of all, I, I want to say that I texted Alex yesterday because... I was like, Alex, I'm interviewing M today and like, I need some tea. Like I need, like, I can't let Zach saying have the best interview with her. Like this Zach <laughs> needs, needs the best interview. So I was like, I need some tea, like some gossip. And she was like, writer confidentiality, bro. Like she didn't give me anything. I said so, that's cool. She said, which I think that's, I don't think that's a real thing. I think there's no rules here. Spread the tea. But the point <laughs> is she's a good, she's a true friend, true co-writer she didn't give up anything. I, like, I, don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. I love you. That's a glowing review. That's a, gl- <laughs> That's a glow. You're also right across from me when you texted <laughs> Wait, and I, you sent that photo and I was sort of confused because I thought like, I, like, I thought that was like a stock photo or something. I was like, I know that you, I, I don't know why I, I thought that, but I was like, I know that you're like friends with them and you write and she, you're her co-writer. But then I reread it and I was like, oh, you're literally with her. So yes, it was very funny. It was, it's a very small world. What is this house house they're in? Because you posted something on Instagram where there's like guitars and all this stuff. Like what is, like, is this a house that you rent for writer's retreats? Oh no, this house has bad Wi-Fi. <laughs> no. Are we back? We're back, no. we're back. Does this house have bad Wi-Fi? What, what's happening? No, that was you. That, that no, so don't weird. that don't blame don't <laughs> say that was me. Was okay, but what is what is this house? Because on Instagram you're posting that there's like a wall of guitars at this Airbnb. Like, is, is this a house that you get for writing retreats? You would have a field day at this place. There is a there is, I mean, I, we're kind of stationary right now. Otherwise, I would take you all around and show you all the guitars. But yeah, I mean, M M's team put this together. M built this house from the ground up. Um, brick by brick. <laughs> Wait, wait, no, no, they ain't. What is this house? Did they? It's my manager's friend's house. Um, and we we were looking to come to Palm Springs, and he just happened to have, he knew someone who had a house here, and we were like, can we rent it and like write songs? And they he said knew yes. Guy. He knew a guy. And yeah, there's like so many guitars. There's like 30, 40 guitars here. I don't even really play guitar. But this is, is there pressure on a writer's retreat to like, like, I feel like if I was on a writer's retreat, I would be like goofing off, like, big dinners like i would be i would not be taking it seriously but yeah but do you have to take it seriously you have to write songs right so is is there a balance is this mostly songwriting or is there a lot of goofing off and then do you start to go oh crap we're supposed to be writing songs right now i would say there's a balance i feel like we've had a good schedule of like when we write but then we like also go to the dinner and goof off and have that time um but then we like i think we're really good at focusing because we've been writing with each other for like a year yeah year and a half and we we know how to get into the flow. So a balance. You know what to do. I feel like you're in this place, like maybe you feel this way or maybe you don't, Em, but I feel like you're in this place where it's like Numb Little Bug sort of like gave you this like identity, maybe a little bit of a brand. Like people know a little bit of who you are from the song. And now like as you're writing, you can like either lean into that brand or you can like reveal something else about you or like, def- you know, tell us something else about who you are through song. So is that like a conscious thing that you're like, Okay, as we're writing, like, am I going to lean into the person who is 
the character or myself in Numb Little Bug? Or are you like, let's reveal something else because like that was a thing and now we need to talk about something else? Yeah, I mean, I I have a little bit of a fear of like being pigeonholed as an anxiety beacon. Yeah, so is that like, uh, is that like conscious that we're writing, like what people pitch, like is Alex pitching those ideas and you're like, no, 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 like, l- like let's talk about something else. Like I'm so much more dimensional than that. I mean, I would say we have our fair share of like mental health songs because you know so many people related to that one that I I like to write things that people will resonate with but we also do write about different things I would say like for instance we were writing a song yesterday and we were talking about being numb and I was like let's shy away from that even as one lyric because I don't want to harp on the same note too many times um so it is a conscious thing but like I don't know I feel like sometimes we lean lean in and then sometimes we're like let's get far away from this let's I feel like it's sort of fun though when like artists reference their biggest hits or whatever big songs of theirs in their songs like sometimes it's like a nod to the fans and it's like oh yeah like you know it like some sometimes I think it works yeah I do I do reference Dumb Little Bug in one song so like I'll do it once but that's you're getting one okay but no more (laughs) from okay don't expect anything else that's I mean, the oh, oh, yeah no no what were you gonna say m's m's instincts really come through in like every single session and so like it's not like i have to be like pitching her concepts like you're afraid you're in high school and you're afraid of something because you're so anxious it's just like she's like i have this idea it's a chorus idea or, like i have this verse idea and it's like really easy to go off to the races m really knows what right. she's doing and she has an identity and she steers the ship and she is decisive and if something is working for her she says it. If it's not, we push until it works. Meaning is super important to her. And it's really easy to work off of. It just comes very naturally. And so like anything that sounds like numb little bug is just because like, that's what comes from inside of M, but other things do as well. I feel like I've never seen you try to like, oh, this is my brand. I need to stick with it. How'd you guys first meet? Did a publisher put you together? Or how'd you guys first start writing? (laughs) It was just a behave. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I'm I'm gonna leave in a second. The only reason I'm here is because I know Zach from college and you didn't mention that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mention what? That we know each other from college. Otherwise, like why would I be here except for to say hi? Because <laughs> we're because we're friends. That and and I just I just I just wanted to say hello. And I want to talk about roller coasters in a second. M's new song, which I think is fantastic. I've, I we we're gonna talk about it in one second, but I just want to know. Wait, so did you guys meet randomly? So we met in a in a random session. I mean, basically how my calendar works is like every day is is kind of just with so new people. Someone else. Someone else. Yeah, and, and we write a song, and um, it's funny because when I I met Dallas initially, Alex came in like a few minutes later, and Dallas and I were talking about like, oh, I hate this session grind, and like, you never really click with them, and blah, blah, blah. And then like, within an hour, we like, wrote my favorite song about panic attacks, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, like, yeah. The quickest, like, melding I have ever had in the session. I don't I don't know about you, but... The um, first song I ever heard that you two wrote was Goo, because that's the first song on the EP I listened to, which I really love. And especially that line about LAX, because I feel, I, I get your anger in your voice, when you say LAX and you really there we are. Hey. <laughs> oh, okay, we're back. Okay. I don't even have a good lead in here. I'm just gonna say that I'm blessed to be here now on technology. And let's just talk about this new song, Roller Coasters, which is really great. It's a really great song. For those listening, we've had epic technology failures and we're gonna make the most of it. Here we go. Okay, so roller coasters, this is about the ups and downs in the music industry. You two wrote it together. Was this written on a writer's retreat as well? Or was this written in a, uh, you know, a normal writing room? In Dallas's house. He's right over there eating cereal. Oh, Dallas, baby. <laughs> I knew this was going to come together. What's up, Zach? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Dallas, did you write this song also? I did, yeah. These three. Okay, so you sit down and just... just does somebody say, does somebody say, hey, what about a song about the roller coasters of life? Does some does somebody okay. say that idea? Well, we'll help you out here. Okay, it was basically like Emma's talk. It started with us. I think I suggested that we go um to an amusement park to go on a roller coaster. And Emma was like, I hate roller coasters. And this was just after, you know, I feel like you should take this away about the industry conversation. Well, yeah, so we were, we were having the theme park conversation and I um, I think I had just been to Six Flags and I was like, when I got to the top of the roller coaster and it went down, 
I just got depressed. Like I wasn't scared. I just got really sad. Um, so it kind of started there. And then uh, I think we were, so this was the day that I had got back from tour and we were talking about like numb little bug and how in the first day it got a million streams and how crazy that was, but how the day it did so well, I was literally bracing for the fall because I've been raised uh, in a way that like, I don't know, you, you always know that what goes up has to come back down. And I know the whole like LA 15 minutes of fame sort of thing. Um, Why were you raised like that? Like, did you see that happen to other people? And you were like, oh, that's gonna be me. Like, like what and what was happening? In your What happens in your environment that gives you that feeling? Because I feel like I sort of think that too. I don't know. Like that, that might be a very human thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like in my in my best moments, I'm kind of worried because they can only go down, which is maybe a little pessimistic of me. Um, but when we were talking about that experience with No Little Bug and also just like the ups and downs of, you know, even even tour, you go on stage, it's it's incredible. And then you go to a hotel room alone and it's sad. <laughs> like, like the whole way the industry is, is just kind of like that. And we were likening our conversation about roller coasters um, to experiences in the music industry and we were talking a lot about nervous system regulation and like how like how is it so hard to enjoy the successes and then in like right after that is when M was like oh and I hate roller coasters and then it was like aha oh okay clearly like you have an interest and in like um like foresight to not let yourself get too down and so in order to do that you kind of brace yourself and then don't really get to enjoy the best moments too because you know what's coming. Who writes the line about um? Capitalist frenzy, ten dollar ice cream in the first verse. That was me, this girl. I believe that. Does does that line just come to you? That's like a cool rhyming thing. Like like how does that line just come to you? And do you say like, okay, let's set up the scene of like an amusement park, and then we're gonna move into like what the song is really about? Like, why does that line function? Because I feel like that's a great line. Thank you. I've just never liked theme parks or arcades because they're just so like they're just so they just want to take your money and they're not fun to me. So, like, You know what? I get so freaked out at amusement parks too. Do you have this feeling? Like I get, I get very depressed at like arcades. I, I genuinely feel that way. Is that what you said you were feeling? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. The way I have fun is not in such a manufactured environment. Like I don't like being forced to have fun. Like that, that's what theme parks and arcades seem like to me. So you write this and then, how many songs do you guys write that don't get cut? Like lots? Or it's just sort of rant. Like, do you send this to the team and to Mary and like, does somebody pick this? Or do you say, this is a really great song. Like this needs to be my next release. I feel like most of the songs we do together do get cut. There have been a few that haven't made it. Not tons though. Um, and sometimes I send them to the team and I'm like, I like this. What do you think? And then they give their thoughts. Other times, like with Roller Coasters, I was like, this is coming out. Sorry. Like this, this is it. This, this is coming out. Why is Alex a great writer? I believe she is. Why is she great in the room, though? Like, why do you gravitate towards her? Because um, Alex has such a good way of taking exactly what I'm thinking and finding the ways to phrase it creatively that I wouldn't think of or just different angles that I would never consider. Um, and also, like, I feel like a lot of writers kind of try to put words in your mouth a little bit. I mean, they're just doing their job. And, of course, you know, it's it's hard not to do that when you're a writer. But Alex has a way of like really understanding my perspective without making me say anything I don't want to say. Like, you know, with No Little Bug, I would say a lot of writers like really lean into this anxiety thing for me. But then when it's coming out of their mouths, it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily relate to what you're saying. Like you're painting me in a kind of bad mental health light that I feel like only I can truly talk about. Like you can't really say this about me. Um, but Alex doesn't do that. She gets she me. She gets you. So, but she's because what she says is right. You think she gets you, or because she doesn't put words in your mouth that other writers think you want to say or that you want to hear, or like they think they know what your brand is or who you are. And Alex doesn't push that on you. Is, is that kind of what it is? I mean, she listens. She she doesn't push anything, I I would say. Well, and this is gonna be the last thing I say, and then I'm gonna get out of here. Um, but I, it's really because M is is guiding the ship and is saying like, will you know would never say anything that she didn't want to say, you know like I just I don't see you doing that like if I push like oh I think this is a good idea you'll equally tell me why you don't think it's a good idea and it's just like a really 
it's an, it's um, an intellectual conversation about emotions. That's not too, I don't know. There've been times on this trip where I've been like, Oh, we could say that. And you're like, but that's not what I mean. And then I'm like, okay, well, what about this? And I'm trying to like cater to a rhyme scheme. And you're like, still not what I mean. And then like you describe it in a different way. And it's like, oh, aha. It's only because you won't let up. And like, that's a really cool commitment to the song and to yourself and a trust in your co-writers, which is really cool. Well, that's the other thing is that with Alex, I feel like we are just like nonstop going lyrics back and forth. Like we always kind of find our our flow and we can easily just be like, no, and move on. And I feel like with other writers, sometimes I have to like sugarcoat. I mean, I think this isn't the best idea. We could do a little better. Alex and I can just keep going. Just like now, Alex, does that, even though you're like, okay, this is going to make the song better. And like, there's all the respect for M for like knowing what she's going to say, what she's not going to say whatever like is it also like a little frustrating when you're throwing ideas and i'm like nope that's not really me and then like now it's like okay well now we're moving on but i maybe i sort of thought that could have been you no because it's kind of the end of like it's the end of the discussion if it's not her it's not her it's like a puzzle it's like it's it's not like oh i think this could have been you if you could have seen it differently like it's just not and i it's gotten to like i'm thinking specifically about the song we wrote yesterday it got us to like a much cooler idea that I think is even more true for me by M being like, that's still not what I mean. Like you're pushing in a direction that's too far this way. So it's, it's always the right answer in the end. Like what M wants to say is the right answer. This, I'm going to get off now. Alex, it was, it was so you. great to see you. And I love you too, Alex. And I miss you. And what is, I want to ask you because when you put out numb little bug, I've heard you say that, like, I think it was your parents that were that would say to you like I guess there were maybe pill bottles in the music video or something, and they said I don't know if you want to do that put that imagery out there because it's going to make you look a certain way or whatever, and like that would drive me crazy. Like I would be like leave me alone. Like I'm just trying to make a music video or just trying to represent something. Like is did that is that kind of thing really frustrating for you or do you just kind of accept it? But you say I'm okay with it and I'm okay with this imagery. I mean I think like. My parents are my favorite people in the world. Like, I'm really close with them. But there is a generational gap. Like, my generation just shares way more than than theirs does. And, like, things that are taboo to them are very normalized to me. And um, I also think once Numb Little Bug took off and they saw the response to it, and they also, like, had some of their own friends say, like, oh, my gosh, like, your, your daughter's song, like, made me feel seen. I think that's when they started to realize, like, oh, it's okay to talk about this. Like, they needed to see the the reaction first. Yeah, I've heard you say in interviews that they would say you're not going to get a real job or like people are going to see this and think you're unstable or whatever. And aren't you thinking like, of course, I'm not going to get a real job. I'm a yeah. fucking artist. Like, this <laughs> is my job. Like that to me would be frustrating. But I, I'm sure they don't mean it like that. But do you get kind of frustrated like that? Or do you just say like uh, you're able to com- you know decompartmentalize it and just say I'm going my own way and you know I'm doing this the way I'm going to do it? I think I tend to go my own way. I don't think you can be an artist being held back by anyone. I think you have to stay true to your moral compass. And that's like, that's how how you're different, you know? Um, so I would say like sometimes there are certain things my mom will say that'll kind of stick with me. Or like, actually, there was one song where I was cursing and she was like, I'd, I'd really just like, I don't think... There's nothing wrong with cursing, but you should only curse if you need to curse. And I don't feel like you have to here. And she was totally right. Um, and I'm glad I made that call because most of my audience, like, I think are younger girls who wouldn't listen to explicit songs. So it like literally helps widen the audience to not curse. So I listen sometimes, but I also like, I know when I have to follow my gut. Okay, fair enough. Do you still live with your parents or have you moved out yet? I still live with them. First of all, I think this is like very reasonable. I'll go between New York and Nashville and I'm in New York. I spend half my time with my parents. Like, I'm like, this is very reasonable. But on the horizon, like, are you like, okay, I got to move out. Like, I got to figure something out. Or like, are you very content living with uh, w- with your family and you're and you travel so much? It's like you're you probably don't even see them that often. I mean, that's part of it. I, I have been like touring a lot. And so it feels silly to like pay rent when I'm away most of the time. But I am looking to get a place eventually like probably in the same neighborhood because I do want to see them often um, because we are so close. But I think it would be good to like experience full independence, which I haven't really since like college. So I I am looking. Okay, we're looking. And what is this that I, I've heard you say that I guess prior to becoming like a successful artist, you really hadn't seen that many live concerts. Is that true? Yeah, I I think my first concert was in high school. I saw Alt-J. Okay. 
That was the first time I like really smelled weed too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then wait, so but were you not someone who would go to concerts? Because I feel like most artists go to as many concerts as they can. Was that not you? Like, were you not that into it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it was the music that I grew up loving was like Regina Spector, Lily Allen, Kate Nash, all like songwriters who, in in my mind, it wasn't like, I need to see this spectacle show. Like, that wasn't really what was so special to me. I am seeing Regina Spector actually for the first time in March. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I also, I, I would say I had a little sense of when I saw someone else on stage, I wanted to be on stage. So it was hard to just like be an audience member a little bit. Because like going to shows wasn't that fun because you were like, I'd rather be on stage. And this is a constant reminder that I'm not famous yet. Is that <laughs> sort of a little bit it? Or like, were you just not that into shows? Like, I don't know, maybe a combination. I also feel like, well, I don't know. At this point, I have been to some really incredible shows. Um, I feel like some people are true, like, music lovers, and they love to feel it and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm a music lover, but maybe not to the extent you would expect. Like, I'm more of a writing love, like, a clever writing lover than I am, like, I need to go to the show, necessarily. I mean, I'm also kind of an introvert and don't really love going out in general. I'm not painting myself in an exciting light, but like... <laughs> no, but I get this. Like, going to a concert is like a very, like, you know, it's it's sort of an extroverted thing, especially if you're going to like a current act. There's a lot of people around. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a big thing to go to a concert. It's a lot of people there. But when you pictured yourself as an artist, like, did you picture yourself on stage playing concerts, even if you didn't love going to them? Or was that... Are you so much more like... When I picture myself as an artist, it's me in the writer's room writing. And that's sort of what my artistry is. Well, the truth is, um, I actually wanted to write songs for movies for a long time. I wanted to just work in sync because when I was in, when I was 16, I wrote a song uh, for a film and it took me, like, they, they sent me the script. I read it. It took me 10 minutes to write it. And they're like, perfect. And I was like, this job is easy and I can just like make money like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a fluke and that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I thought it was too unattainable to really want to be an artist until TikTok. And then... Everything that I would have just put in my voice memos as ideas, which were thousands, um, I just started putting on TikTok instead. And then the ones that took off did. And, and that's how that became a reality. So I never really imagined to like do the Hannah Montana thing. Like I never saw myself on stage doing a big show. It was really like I see myself as more of a Regina at the piano bearing my soul rather than like here's the show. But I think at this point, I actually have gone like definitely more down the pop route than I was expecting to. I feel like when I've seen videos of you play or even like you're out opening for the Jonas Brothers, like you have really good command of the stage. Like oh. you can like own it, walk around confident. So like, is that just because you've seen a million videos of other legends do it and you sort of have a sense of what it is? Or because I feel like I've seen so many shows, so I sort of know what people should be doing on stage generally. But do you have that? Are you just sort of leaning into yourself and walking around and that's enough? Or like, how do you how do you know what to do in a live show? I mean, at this point, one of my biggest goals is to put on a show, which it, yeah. it's fine, it wasn't before. But I, I did so much touring and experienced so much stage fright and saw so many shows now that I've liked so much that I was like, wow, I really want to be able to just be better. So I've been working on it pretty actively trying to get over my stage fright. I will say for the Jonas Brothers shows, like, a part of me just blacked out and I was like, I have nothing to lose. I just got to go for it. And that was probably my favorite one that I've done. Um, Cause when you played Jimmy Fallon and you did numb little bug on Jimmy Fallon, you did this thing where you sang the first verse, like at the microphone, confident staying at the mic. And then second verse, it was like microphone was off the stand and you were like walking around the stage using some of the space. Was that something that you sort of felt in the moment or was that something that you rehearsed a million times? to try to like get a, you know a small amount of i guess choreography going for lack of a better term. I was I rehearsed that because I was in like two feet heels. I was like I got to know exactly what I'm doing or I'm going to trip on this little stage. <laughs> so uh yeah. Rehearsed. But and does someone give you the direction on your team? Like do you work with someone who says, "Hey, like first verse here at the mic, second verse walk around that's going to create some good momentum." 
Or do you just sort of have a sense of what it is, what you should be doing? And you, you know, and then you go in with your band, you rehearse it a bunch of times. I think I did it in the like camera check. Um, and just asked my team, like, what do you think? And they're like, that's great. <laughs> I just did it for the show. And that was it. So it, it just came sort of easily. Like, it's not such a big thing, even though it was very effective. Like, it wasn't like, you know, you spent all this time being like, okay, here, I'm going to be here. Now I'm going to go over here. It just was like a natural thing. For that one, yes. But what's funny is like in my full live show, there are some instrumental breaks where I have told my music director and my band, like, I don't know what to do with myself here. And they're like, well, normally people don't ask about that. They just like vibe or they dance or they drink water. And I, I don't, I've never been like a natural dancer. It's just like yeah. my my body doesn't have it. I don't know. Um, so I do like actively think about those moments and try to plan something because it's just not like an easy thing. Are you talking me. about like in between song transitions or even like instrumental breaks? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, both. So like, what do you think you do there? Because I feel like this is so hard to come up with, right? Like, how do you keep everyone engaged in these moments? Like, what, what do you what do you do? I mean, sometimes I'll find a vocal part to sing that isn't in the song just so I have something like to do. Like a riff or something. Yeah, I literally just got a bass so I could learn it so I would have something to do with my hands. Like, this is an active struggle for me. Wait, so you got a bass and because are you out with a bass player right now or is bass in the tracks? Uh, bass is in the tracks, but I want to learn so I, so I can do so I can do something with my hands. Yeah. Oh my God, you have to do this. I mean, I I grew up at the piano. Like even when I did recitals and shows at school and everything, I was always behind the piano. So, um, like to just be up front with a mic is still a new thing for me. Like in the past year. Yeah. So wait. So going back. So what concerts have you seen that you thought were really great that you're like maybe I could incorporate some of that into my show? So I opened for AJR and I saw their show, which was like incredible. Probably the best show I've ever seen. Um, I am also friends with a band called Moon Tower. Uh, yeah, I actually don't know who that is. I thought you were saying Moon Taxi. Um, who, who is who is Moon Tower? So they're like kind of an indie pop band. Yeah. Um, which, funny enough, I went to their show when I was in college, when I wasn't really like in the music scene yet. And then later I did my song Too Precious with a producer that like did their album. Um, so I became friends with them through him and uh, went to their show and they just looked like they were having so much fun. So I was having fun because they were having fun. And also their music is incredible. Um, and I don't know, when I see a good show, I just think like, oh, I, all I got to do at the end of the day is have fun. Like it seems... That's all you... That's hard. It's hard though. Is that what you said? It's a little hard because you're so stressed. Like it's you're not just like vibing to the music. Like also when you know when you're listening to your songs, there's a metronome in your in ears. Like right. Like clicking. It's not the most enjoyable in in the in ear mix that you hear when you're playing live. Do you ever have this thing? Because I when I go out and play, like this always happens to me. Like I'll go out and I'll feel like I'm like head banging like a crazy person and I'm giving it like my all. And then I'll watch these videos back of me and I'm like, not even moving. Like I'm literally not moving at all. Do you experience that too? Like in your head, do you think like you're putting on this incredible show and then you watch back and you're like, oh wait, like I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not visually projecting nearly as much as I think I am. I think I used to do that. And then I yeah. saw some videos where it wasn't looking how I wanted it to, where I like made more of an effort. I actually like practiced in, in a mirror just to know what it was going to look like, you know? Yeah. 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 Wait, so then now, how do you get over the stage fright? Is it just repetition, just doing it and just getting more comfortable on stage? Yeah, I mean, I remember for the King Princess tour when I was opening, the first night I was just like panicked the whole set. I was like, I don't know if I'm meant to do this job. Like, this is too much. And then by the last show, it was kind of like, all right, here to do my job. Like, my set's 30 minutes. Let's go, you know? It's yeah. just a thing, but um, it's hard to always get into the right zone i still get nervous sometimes like after time away for a while like going back to the stage it's a little nerve-wracking but how do you make your set into more of a show though like what does that mean how do you do that i mean it's really presence is so important also like interaction with your bandmates that's something i'm learning to do because i i didn't really understand it before but like you know for goo i like yell some of the lyrics at my guitarist now like stuff like that also you know as you build up it's also lights and backgrounds and like lights can make such a difference 
My goodness, when we've had good lighting designers for for shows, because when you're opening, you don't always have a, a lighting. Yeah, designer. right, right. We'll do it. Um, like it, it makes such a such difference. I feel like it does. Are you going to go out with lights now? Because can you put lights into your tracks and have it like coordinated and be like a whole thing? I don't know if it's in the budget right now, but like I don't know, stream my songs more people so we can get some. Come lights. on, let's go. Lights do make a difference, right? That the lighting cues are where it's at. Whenever I go to a show and someone like you see the light cues are off, it drives me crazy. I'm like, some guy had one job, which was to <laughs> nail the lighting cues, and he couldn't do it. He screwed up. He's he's screwed it up. It does make a difference, though, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the AJR show, like they're already amazing, but the lights were just like transported me. Like you could have not seen them, but the lights alone were enough to just be entertained the whole time. Yeah. Do you have this thing? Because I, when I go out on the road, like I like can't wait to get home. But then when I get home, I like miss being out on the road. Do you have that feeling too? Um, I'm such a homebody that like you're I like love, get me home. Well, I love being home, but I also love meeting fans. I would say with touring, like I tend to have a bit of a limit. Like there's a certain amount that it's really fun, and then I just get really exhausted, and I do look forward to like sleeping for a week after that. Um. I don't know. It's it's kind of a combination. I mean, touring is really tiring. Oh my God. So tiring. And what you said is so true that like you play in front of fans and then it's like, you're very lonely very quickly, which is kind of a, a touring cliche, but it's so true. It's like, it it really does feel like you're like deprived of like a drug kind of like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the adrenaline, like I remember when I played my first show opening for Anson Sayabra uh, last May or something. Like, I remember going on stage and then I saw the lights flash over the audience and I was like, oh, I did not realize 300 people is that many people. Like, it was, I was going crazy, my adrenaline. And then I got to the hotel and it was quiet and I was looking at videos and I was like, did that really happen? Like, I, like, that doesn't seem real. I just was like, I was in total disbelief about that feeling. Do you have like a a live bucket list they're trying to check? But I feel like you've played some pretty big venues, right? Have Have you done stadiums yet? Um, I did. I did a stadium for Jonas Brothers. Yeah, which was my favorite venue I've ever played. Um, See, you've got the live bug. Like, like this is like a thing. Like you're, <laughs> you're, you're into this. The thing is, in stadiums, everyone is so far away that you can't see their expressions. So, I was just like, I'm playing to beautiful ants, and I won't see their judgment if they don't like the song. Because sometimes you catch like a couple people in the front who are clearly waiting for the headliner, and you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like, and stadiums, you can't see anyone. Yeah, you can't see them. Yeah, but but you don't feel the pressure of people or or whatever. Like in a club, you can actually see the whites of their eyes, and it's like it's a lot to think about. Yeah, I would I would definitely prefer to play a stadium over a coffee shop at this point. Yeah, I feel like that's real. And in a stadium, I feel like there's so much more noise that you don't need to be as perfect. Like it, yeah. it gets lost, right? Where if you're in like a theater or something, like you have to nail it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. So, and then your song that you did with Steven Sanchez, Until I Found You, you gave a great performance on James Corden. Well, who who came up with the visual design for that? Because I feel like that took some coordination, right? Is that Steven's brainchild? Like, or is that like a team member? Like who creates those outfits and says, this is the theme we're going to do for this song? His team sent a picture of his suit, and then uh, I had just happened to do a photo shoot a couple days before with that like blue velvety dress dress with the bows. Um, and we were like, I don't know if we should use this again because we just did a photo shoot with we it. We just did it. They're going to see that we're an outfit repeater. But it was so perfect. Like, we had to. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of chance that we had found that. I mean, that was, that was all credit to Steph Collins, who is my stylist, but... Yeah. Oh my God. I thought that was a great performance. Thank you. That to me was like a performance. Like you came out halfway through, you know, like that was like a, like that was a great set. No, it wasn't a set, a great song. Thank you. I was, I, my heart was like going 300 BPM. Really? Because that, because you thought millions of people are going to see this on TV tonight? Because it's a small audience in there, right? Yeah. and, And you have, uh, with some shows, you have two shots to do it. Yeah. So for Alan, I actually did it twice. And then we just picked the one we liked more. For this one, it was one shot. So I was like, I can't mess anything up. And then at one point, you can't see it actually in the video, but I like stepped over a wire. 
And so I like kind of lost my confidence for a second because I was in these really tall shoes. So I felt like I could fall for like a split second. Um, And so just like controlling your nerves along with something like that. And I also had to... Yeah, no, what were you going to say? I had this choreographed move to like move the mic stand over, which we we had added like right before we did it. And it seems really minor, but it was something I was nervous about because like lifting something while you're singing, like it doesn't sound hard, but it's kind of hard. Do you know what? I actually noticed you do that. And I thought, was that microphone like in her way? So she was like, screw it. I'm going to move it. Or was that like a choreographed move where you like, why did you have to move the mic stand just to get out of the way? Well, so we didn't want there to be like an empty mic stand while he was singing the first bit. So it was like, I'll just bring my own once my part starts. So you walked on with the mic. Now I'm trying to remember it. And then you moved it out of the way. I'm, I walked on with the mic and then I moved the mic stand from the back to the front. I feel like that is a lot of pressure. It kind of was. Like, it I, kind I, of I, is, right? Kind of, I was scared. <laughs> I thought. I think you did a great job, though. And they edited it around your trip or or whatever. They that, did. To, to me, what's crazy, though, is like, oh, let's say you walked on and like tripped and fell, which would be a nightmare. Are you telling me they weren't going to reshoot it? Like, I feel like they just say that. That's just the line they say. Maybe they don't reshoot, though. Well, what do I know? Well, I don't know if this is a secret, but I know that on Fallon, there was a performance where Megan Trainer tripped and they did two, but then they like chose the one where she tripped because she like thought it was funny, which I love. See, yeah, it could have been great. The point is Roller Coasters is coming out this Friday. This is a great song and you have to listen to this. And how much pressure is there? Like, I think what's interesting is that Numb Little Bug... I don't think that was a fluke that it went viral because didn't you post like 60 videos before it took off? I did. Well, I posted myself playing it on piano and that one got like 7 million views. So I had a feeling it was going to stream well, but I didn't realize it would get like a million plays in the first day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, after there was some excitement already, I just kept posting videos to to get the pre-saves up. I think we got like 80,000 pre-saves, which, you know... That's that doesn't happen <laughs> often. Um, with with roller coasters, I'm trying to do the same thing, but it's you know sometimes they just really hit on TikTok, sometimes they don't. But I'm also learning not every song is going to be a TikTok song. Like it's more important to just add things to my catalog that I'm proud of than like make a viral song. And the like, fans will find it. The fans will find it. Yeah, the, the true M Byhold fans are going to find it and they're going to listen to it. Better. Yeah, th- I heard this and I said, oh, this is a great song. This is an M. Byholt song right here. Like, this has got the right energy, the right kind of rawness to it. This is like r- a real a real song. This is really good. When I talked to Mary Romani, who's on your team, your label, she was always like, like I, I knew her before she signed you. And she was like, I'm looking for a real artist, like someone who really can like write and like is really an artist. And then she always says that about you, like you're a real artist, you know, uses TikTok, but like, that's not what it's all about. It's about the artistry. That's what's most important. I mean, I've been writing since I was seven or yeah, seven or six, um, because it was just the way that I made sense of my emotions. And I continue to keep writing whether or not TikTok is a thing. Like it's a very useful tool right now, but it's it's not about, as I said, about the virality. For me, it's it's just about continuing to keep going. That's what you got to do. Okay, wait, here's what I want to ask you in our final moments together. I've always wondered this because you're a big fencer. I fenced back in the day. Um, Not back in the day when I was in middle school, I fenced for like four years. Okay. And mm-hmm. I went to the fall, which was like the something fencing Academy of Westchester. It was called the okay. fall. Yeah. And yeah, would you know about this? This is like a yeah. famous Wait, you know about the fall? Or... Well, I, I competed in tournaments like with them. Really? Are you serious? Like national. Here's what I know because I used to go fencing for two hours. Like after school, two hours, I would go fencing. The first hour, and what I want to know is if other fencers have this experience. The first hour, all we would do is run laps around the gym and then run suicides and basically all cardio. And I always felt like, even though you need cardio and fencing, that that much cardio was not needed. Do all fencers do that much cardio or was that just this one gym that like did so much cardio? It was insane. Like I'd get nauseous at the end of it. I would say we did more footwork than cardio. But when I fenced in college, we would have like conditioning days that were like kind of just cardio or strength 
like training. So you do. I think so it's important. We never did any footwork. Like to me, I don't even know what that is. I don't. Well, we would run around and then we would just maybe we did do footwork, but I, I feel like we would just run around the gym in a circle and then we do suicides and then we would just start fencing each other. I feel like I got very little instruction. I feel like I feel like it shouldn't have been the way you had it. It shouldn't have been the way I, I had it. I it's did saber. What did, what did you do? Okay. What saber to me was the best because it was like the most. The, it resembled actual sword fighting the most. Is that true? I would say it's the least strategy. Like not to make some, not to get some beef together. But cool. I mean, saber is for anyone who doesn't know. Like saber, you you basically just slash someone very quickly within a few seconds. Epe, yes, it's like I like that. Like setting them up, and it takes a lot longer. See, I don't know any of those. I, I liked Saber, I think, because there was the least strategy. Like, I remember they explained all of them to me, and I said, I want to do Saber. That, to me, sounds like the most fun. But that's the most cardio. Saber, you need to be, like, the most fit. Really? Yeah, because you have to, like, charge them quickly. Whereas you, in Epe... Yeah. You don't... Wait, so what is Epe again? Explain that to me. Like, like I don't really understand. I don't really know the difference. So Epe is the full body and you stab. So, like, you, I get toe touches and arm touches and stuff. Foil is just like your chest, but there's something called right-of-way. So whoever attacks first gets the right-of-way unless they get parried, then the other person gets the right-of-way. And then saber is the same. It's uh, chest up to the head with right-of-way, but slashing instead of poking. That I remember. Okay. Do you ever convince friends to do this? Like, do you ever convince Alex to suit up with you and fence? I feel like everyone says they will, but no one follows through. Like, where's that's the- insane. If if you if I was your friend and you asked me to go fencing, I would go fencing with you in a second. That is insane that nobody goes with you. Well, you're my friend now. Let's go fencing. I'm not even joking. Like, I would go. Like, where do you go? Do you go in L.A.? Like, do you have a gym in L.A.? So my dad fences too. So we set it up in the backyard at this point. Are you serious? Why yeah. is Alex Veltri not going fencing with you? It's a good question. Wait, but if I if I went fencing with you, would that be like a productive thing? Because you could probably literally kick my ass. So I don't want to like, like, I'm not afraid to lose, but I don't want to just like, I feel like that's not very productive if you're just constantly like beating me and I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, how do you make it a productive afternoon? I mean, at this point, fencing is just kind of a good workout because I feel like it, I used to be very competitive, um, but now I, I don't really have enough time to do all the training and competition. So it's good to just like, stay fit regardless but you never know i mean you could you could beat me who knows but how's that even possible like i i i haven't fenced in years and i did saber which apparently is the weakest of all fencing well <laughs> i'll teach you epe epe okay wait wait and do you just have like extra fencing gear lying around i mean my dad teaches fencing so like we got we got the stuff is that his main thing? Is that what he does? Is he a fencing teacher? He used to work in animation, but it wasn't really his passion. So now he teaches fencing at Harvard Westlake and UCLA. Oh, that's so cool. What, did, did you see Wednesday? Did you watch the show Wednesday? I did. I did. did you think that was good fencing or well, realistic fencing? They were not fencing the correct weapon with the correct gear. You've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? I'm sure everyone was like, that was sick. And to me, I was like, guys, like, no. Cringing. You were cringing about it. <laughs> About the fencing. Um, they are doing saber in Epe gear. Whenever I see like something stupid about like guitars in TV shows, like someone's playing a guitar upside down or something, I'm like, why isn't somebody like this to me should have been so easy to figure out. Like, why or why was that not figured out for Wednesday? I I mean they could have hired like one coach. They could have hired and, you. Me, yeah. I mean, come on. Like they season two of Wednesday, let's talk. Let's let's talk. We gotta get it right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I think that set up a time with Alex and myself to go fencing with your dad. This sounds very um, enjoyable. And um, the the other thing too, I saw you from a distance during Grammy week because we were in line to get into the 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 Grammy U party. What was the Grammy U party where it was so packed? Yeah, we waited in line. Like we were at the front of the line for like an hour, and then they shut it down, or they shut down admission. So we never got in. Was that a great party? Wait. Do you remember? You were with... Yeah. yeah do you... Do you, you were, I'm trying to remember what the actual title was. It was like the Grammy... Was it Grammy U or something? It was in Hollywood. Music is Universal? That thing? No, it was during the day. 
Now I don't know. It was during the day at Hollywood. Forget the venue. You were like three people in front of us. And you went in. I think the next person went in. We were front of the line. We were at the front of the line for probably over an hour. And then they said, we're not letting anyone else in. And they, and they shut it down. You were one of the last people to get in. Really? Matt, you, pro- you probably don't even know that. Oh, 100%. And it was 100% you. Like, I'm positive. I didn't go to any parties in the day. This one was like afternoon, like late. I feel like I got a doppelganger. I, literally, I'm so convinced this was you. Like, red hair and everything. I was like, oh, there's on buy hold. Are you <laughs> serious? Wait. It was like at like 4 o'clock. It was at 4 o'clock. Maybe 4.30. All the ones I went to were like 7. I For the podcast sake, I want to give it to you. But I just don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> Are you serious? Don't give it to me. Maybe I'm insane. Although I'm I'm convinced it was you. Were you were, were you with a guy? Did you go to a guy to one of these parties? Oh, Grammy House. Grammy House. Grammy House. I, oh my god. What time did you go into Grammy House? That was the day I honestly forgot. Wait, don't don't post that I forgot. That's bad. Um, Em, what are you talking about? You're making me out here to just be insane. What what is this? I I was spot on. I was like, there's no way that wasn't you. Like it was a hundred percent you. Okay, Grammy House. So you you literally like I feel like you might not know this, but you literally went in because they emailed and they were like, get there early. So we all got there early. You uh-huh. walked in. I think they let two more people in. They then said we're at capacity. So then I had all like 10 of us waited in line for an hour. And then they said, we're not letting anyone else in, like go home. And they, they shoot us away. And I thought, oh my God, and by hold is a legend. She made it in. And of course she was going to make it like they were going to let her in. Somebody was going to score you from, from like the line and, and let you in. Did you go to any good parties though during Grammy week? I went to the music is universal one. Um, and what was really cool was I was waiting in line for the like photo booth. I was with Kira Kosserin, um, and Kim Petras was just standing there and oh she had just won the Grammy. And I was like, congrats on the Grammy. You're a legend. And your speech made me cry. And she was like, thank you. And I like introduced myself, but she was literally just standing there. So it was kind of sick to like talk to Kim Petras right after she won. Isn't that like, wait, and then do you say like, Hey, like, you know, we're on the same label and like, do you like, do you throw that card? No, I didn't want to be like that. I just admire her from a distance. Like I didn't, I didn't want to insert myself where I don't belong. Um, but we also saw Jacob Collier, and then uh, Kira told him thank you for inventing music, which I thought was a very fitting. Oh, compliment. that's so good. Isn't that crazy? Like we were at the Concord party, and we ran to Jared Leto, and then we were saying hi to Jared Leto, and I was like, "This is so like crazy. Like he's so normal. Like, like you. That's just what. Like that's just a thing." I think something I've learned is that all these people I've idolized for so long are really just people that also don't always know what they're doing. Yeah, nobody knows, right? Every, no. no, Nobody knows. But it makes me feel better. Like, I, I don't admire them any less, but we yeah. all really love humans. I mean, even being in, in writing rooms with people that I idolize forever, like, they don't know what the song is either. You know, like, they're, yeah. they're with yeah. Do people come up to you like younger artists who have to be idolizing your path and just go up only I could have a hit like numb little bug or have the TikTok success? Like, do people come up to you and just like beg for secrets? And you're like, I don't have any secrets. Like, I'm just like working really hard over here. I've definitely had quite a few people like ask. Yeah. Ask me what the secret sauce is. And I literally just say like consistency on social media and literally being yourself because um, I feel like there is kind of some homogenized teasing song content that's so similar like everyone's seen the car video before at this point. I mean, you could still break that way, but like, it's, it's like, how do you make it your own? You know? That, yeah, that's what you have to do. How much time do you spend on your for you page? Like endless? Sadly, I'm like kind of addicted. I, I don't want to. Are you? Oh my God. Like I'll wake up and I'll be like, don't go on TikTok. Like just get out of bed, brush your teeth, start your day. But then I'll be like, let me watch like five videos, like just, you know, and then it's like an hour later and I'm still scrolling on TikTok. And then I'm like going to sleep. I'm like, I'm, I should go to sleep. I'm like, let me just, let me just watch a couple of TikTok videos. It's going to put me to sleep. And then it keeps me up for like two hours. It's like, what is this? Like it's, and I tell myself it's productive. Right. Right. Yes. I convince myself I'm learning the trends. A hundred percent because you're learning the trends. You're in pop culture. You get some news that's like probably all fake. Like it's, you know, so I think it's, I tell myself it's productive. We do the same thing. 
Yeah. 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 I see it. Okay. M. Byhold, I've kept you too long. We had so many technology issues here, but I feel like we made the most of this. And uh, we have to do it again. And I will be, I will go fencing with you. I see, I don't know if we're like, you know, I don't know if we're really like friends. We're like podcast friends. friends. But I'm telling you, like, I will fence. Okay. I will dust off the gear. I will like bring Alex Veltry. Let's get her into some gear and let's let's fence. Like I think we could do it. You're coming over. Like it's set. I I believe this could happen, and I I think your dad could give me some pointers. Like like this is a thing. Like I I I want to get back into this. This is. Do you have like fencing friends like in a fencing community that you're like only friends with because you guys all fence? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still friends with my college team. And when I opened for King Princess in San Diego, they all came out and like went yeah. to the group after. It was incredible. Oh my God. Do any of them like fence professionally or go on or like like very few fence after college? Um, Some do fence after college. I mean, for a lot of people, it is just like staying fit, even if you're not as competitive. But some are like really good and, and do world competitions. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, okay. I'd love to fence. Okay. Roller coasters is out now. Roller coasters make me sad. It's out now, okay? You need to listen to the song and you need to just think about M. Byhold at a Six Flags and she's not having the time of her life and the music industry is up and down and and that's what this song is about. Life is up and down and there are some very clever lines in the song. You need to go listen to it. You need to check it out. And will there be a music video for the song on a roller coaster? There is a lyric video. A lyric video. But I will say Six Flags reached out. I'm going to leave it there because I don't know what's happening. Maybe nothing, Teaser. but they reached out. Teaser, Six Flags reached out, and there could be a, a, ro- a roller coaster music video in the works. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, this is good. This is very good insight. Awesome, um, it was great to see you. It was great meeting you. Please give my best to Alex Veltry. And I hope you write a fucking banger this week. I hope you write your biggest song ever tomorrow is that that's possible that could happen you never know it could you never know that could happen we're gonna try i hope so i hope so (laughs) em thank you for taking the time i will see you soon yes see you soon thank you